All right, here we go. Episode 43, KT Confidential. Welcome. Today, we've got Zach Rayner. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, you've been on our case, like, I've been persistent on, yes. on Instagram, DMing yes. us, commenting. Uh, so I'm glad we got you on here. No, for anyone uh, out there wondering, uh, the, the slip into the DMs does work, but you got to be persistent and uh, you got to show that uh, that you want it. So I'm, uh, yeah. again, I'm, I'm thankful to be here and I hope to uh, lend a little bit of my expertise to uh, to the discussion. Yeah, for sure. So um, obviously insurance, the insurance industry we're very involved with and in real estate. Um, and we always get questions about insurance. So it's nice to have you here to answer some of those. Um, I think insurance is often kind of like an afterthought for people. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, bought a house. And then it's like, oh, shit, I don't have insurance on my house. So they call you up and say, hey, I got the keys to a house yesterday. Can you, you know? <laughs> yeah, last minute's always tough. Um, yeah. You know, I always try to tell people, and, and that's why I like to be involved as much as I can with real estate agents, um, to, if I can assist them during the process of buying the house, maybe point out a couple things that should be brought to their attention with regards to insurance, be it, you know, there might be a sewer backup issue, maybe the electrical's not up to date, just the little things that can maybe down the line, put a hiccup on the home insurance. Um, and just to kind of preface this uh, again, I'm, I'm really looking at this conversation based on towards, you know, homes for, for people. Um, you know, insurance is a huge word that covers so many different things, but, um, just given the, our specialties and backgrounds, just to preface it for everyone, this is really, uh, oriented towards, you know, personal home insurance. So before we get into insurance, this is the first time I've met you. We've spoken a little bit on Instagram. Nobody else not many people probably know who you are that are watching or listening. So why don't you give us your history? Tell us about you. Where'd you grow up? what did you do for a living? How'd you end up where you are today? Yeah. Well, like uh, the good majority of people in the insurance industry, I fell into the industry basically. Uh, went to school in Hamilton, McMaster. Uh, grew up just down the road from Milton in Mississauga. McMaster? Political science. Okay. Yeah. So no insurance background. There's really no insurance programs offered at a university level. There's some risk management stuff and things like that. Um, but after leaving school- I'm not school, a big fan of <laughs> school and that's a good example as to why. Yeah. Usually ended up somewhere else. Yeah. But. My, my school of insurance was, uh, you know, the first six months that I got into a neighborhood brokerage in South Mississauga. Yeah. Um, and really they were well established, 50 years plus. So it was, you know, and the end, Really, for most people in insurance, you don't get dropped into the sales position right away, the producer position, as it's called. Um, I got dropped in there right away. So just kind of learned a lot in the first six months to year about how you know how to treat people. Um, learned a lot about insurance, of course, but learned a lot about sales in, in that first year. So that was yeah. the, the big learning lesson, I would say. Um, my full background is I, I got my Rebo license in 2012. Uh, Rebo is the Registered Insurance Broker of Ontario. Uh, and essentially that allows me to sell insurance as a broker in Ontario. Um, the last five years I've been spent the majority of the time practicing within personal lines insurance. Um, so that to simplify things, there's so much lingo to simplify things. That's really home and auto insurance is is what is my majority of my background is. And, and, And that's what brings me here is that some of the things I've learned over the last five years, um, I really see, um, misinformation or, 
not to call it misinformation, but there's a lot of confusion out there in the market, I would say. So some of those things that I would love just to educate people up front so that they just don't make a mistake down the road. You know, it's yeah. regardless of who you're buying insurance from, um, you know, buying it direct channel through the broker channel, like through, through, through your bank or through an insurance broker. The primary thing to, to realize is that it's a, a financial product that's there to protect you. So, and I think most people hate insurance, mm-hmm. you know, because they're, Paying, most people are probably paying more for insurance than they are many other things in their life. Mm-hmm. Between life insurance, car insurance, and I think disability, the, all that stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's lots of layers of insurance, um, and uh, you know, a good financial planner will tell you, "Hey, it's good to actually layer the insurance." Um, I think the, the the frustrating point for people is that they don't understand the product until they actually make a claim. Of course. Right. Yeah. So you're paying out all these years. If you never have a claim scenario, you don't even really know what you're paying for. Yeah. And um, the, I think know, one of the problems is there's a lot of people that have a hesitancy or maybe a hold a grudge against insurance companies because they feel, and I had somebody tell me this cause I have life insurance mm-hmm. and somebody I was chatting with, I'm like, why don't you? And their response was because you're going to die and then they're going to find a loophole and then they're never going to pay it out. So I think that's the problem is mm-hmm. that they, and I think that same and it's sort of insurance too, but warranties uh, coming from the auto industry, people had that same perception. So mm-hmm. you buy a warranty, but it doesn't cover 90% of the stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and I will note, you know, on, on property insurance right now in Ontario, 98% of claims are paid out. Um, the big difference is not all insurance companies are built the same. And, um, you know, the analogy I would like to use is similar to a real estate agent. You know, you can call a real estate agent's office and one office might call you back within one hour and they were willing to meet the same day and whatever you need, they're willing to take care of it. Another one, you might have to leave, you know, five or six phone messages before you do anything calls you back, right? So sort of like us not replying to you on Instagram? <laughs> Is that a well, low blow? Uh, yeah, you know what? You guys owe me nothing, so it's a little <laughs> bit different. But when, uh, you know, when you paid for your insurance and, and you're not getting a call back on an insurance claim, yeah. it's even more frustrating for people. So um, one thing I did want to highlight during this podcast is, is not all insurance companies are, are built the same. Um, and I've seen it firsthand. Um, we had a major claim last summer in Toronto with that huge rainstorm. I don't know if you remember this one, but like yeah, condos, everywhere. condos based, like the, every, the flooding damage was crazy. And the big lesson for me is, you know, I have about eight or nine different insurance markets that I work with and seeing how quickly those insurance markets responded to the claim. The claim happened all on the same day for all my clients, you know, seeing which companies took that week to make sure everything was taken care of and seeing which companies had someone on the scene the next day mm-hmm. was really interesting to me. And I think it's, it's a key point that consumers can't really know about it. I mean, you can go online and do, you know, re- reviews on claims and things like that. But if you really never had a claim, how would you really know the, you know, what one claim situation is going to be better than the other or one company is going to respond better than the other. Most people don't even think about it. Right. Yeah. The, uh, so I, I, a few quick questions for you about, um, to help educate people on in terms of home insurance mm-hmm. as to what wouldn't be covered. Um, so things like um, lightning, if your house is hit by lightning, causes a fire, house burns down or a portion, mm-hmm. partial, whatever. I, and do you know what? I, I can't speak to all claim scenarios and et cetera, et cetera. Of course. Um, I have seen lightning claims paid out. Um, you know, I had a client um, who was with an insurance company in a farm rural area struck by lightning, the house actually burnt down. Eventually the claim was, was settled. Was it the, you know, most clean claim experience I've ever seen? No. So is there a clause within the policy that says it, 
is or isn't? Or is so it vague? There, there's or a what? clause that's quite vague, unfortunately, and it's called an act of, do- act of God clause. Earthquake, yeah. Um, earthquake coverage is available. Okay. So it's another endorsement we can add on, as, as confusing as things get. But um, to speak to, the, to things that might not be covered specifically, um, damage from something like seepage, where maybe, you know, you develop a really small leak in your roof, and instead of fixing it, you say, oh, you'll just pretend that didn't happen. Six months later, um, the uh, you know maybe ice builds up there as winter sets in. There's some ice in the roof, and then you know continual damage starts to build. Something like that that um, negligence wasn't, wasn't a, exactly negligence wasn't a single act. You know you sat on it for several months. They're not going to make a they're not going to pay out on something like that. Right. So that's that's the easiest example. Um, to be honest, a lot of claims do get paid out, and sometimes I'm I'm surprised. So the insurance company does have a fiduciary duty right. to you. So you're making those payments to them to deny a claim. They really have to set the bar fairly high. Right. So I know there, you hear all the horror stories, but you very rarely hear the 98 percent that you know everything was taken care of. Oh, and, same as every industry. Yeah, same as what every about um, let's say I own my house. I have a two-story traditional quote-unquote traditional house, unfinished basement. I've Mm -hmm. got my policy in place. I finish my basement. I don't inform the insurance company. And there's a flood of some sort. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pipe bursts and the basement needs to be repaired. Chances are... You're not going to get it repaired to the to the standard that you probably had it at. Um, you know, we might be able to find coverage for that within some of the other areas. You know, if there's additional contents coverage left over, we might be able right. to shift it there. That being said, it is a tricky situation because you fail to inform the insurance company or fail to inform the broker. Right. Um, so, you know, if there's $200,000 worth of upgrades, you know, new kitchen, two new bathrooms, new tiles, heated floors... That's definitely going to be an issue. Um, so in those situations, you know, I always just tell people, pick up the phone. Um, and it, this is a situation where I always will say a broker can provide a little bit of an advantage there. And I'm, of course, biased saying that and help admittedly. Um, you know, if you do have a broker who's independent from the insurance company like myself, um, you know, you could call me to get advice. Hey, Zach, you know, I'm, I'm just doing some basic retiling in the basement. It's only about $5,000. Do you think I should let them know? Um, you know, in that situation, hey, you know, I'm comfortable with the coverage that we have on your policy. I've reviewed. There's, there's lots of rebuilding costs there. I think we're okay. Versus uh, if you called me and told me that you, you know, installed a custom theater downstairs, right. let the insurance company know. I mean. So if you're doing anything, any sort of improvement. Anything major. Anything major for sure. I would let them know. I would say anything because when you, as soon as you say major, it's like all up for interpretation. Mm-hmm. So and, I'll call and, them anyways. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's other areas we can provide advice for when you do make that call. Um, you know, I might say to you, hey, you know, <clears throat> Adrian, just, just, just to make sure when you have that contractor come in who's doing the work, make sure he's bonded for up to $2 million of, of insurance as well. Right. You're or just, what you should be saying is actually, you know, instead of investing your money into your current house, <laughs> I should introduce you to Adrian. Exactly. And he can help you buy one that's already done. Exactly. But that's another Save thing. Save some time. Yeah. <laughs> time so is money. That's another thing that's just love or list it, right? Is that what they do? Yes. They either move and find their dream yes. home or they make theirs their dream home. You're not nodding. You don't watch that show? No. no? Um, that, But that poses another interesting thing is I don't know how involved you get with it, but trades, people coming into your house mm-hmm. to work, mm-hmm. um, what sort of insurance should they be carrying and does it affect the homeowner? So I'll give you an example. Yes, go ahead. So um, home, there was a home inspection being done at one of our listings. We talked about this on a podcast once. It was in the winter. The home inspector 
decided, and the roof is covered in snow, the home ins- inspector decided to get a ladder and climb onto the, the garage roof. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, he had and we had a camera set up. We always set up cameras that are listing so yeah. we could see the whole thing. The home inspector sent the uh, client, his customer inside, this is the prospective buyer, mm-hmm. to get a pot of really hot water to bring onto the roof to, melt I the imagine, snow. melt mm-hmm. the snow. So, you know, you could see that going many bad ways, right? So you got the guy on the ladder with a pot of hot water, customer down below looking up, the guy climbing onto his slippery roof. If he falls mm-hmm. and doesn't have proper insurance, could the homeowner be liable? Absolutely. Interesting. And I, I, I will say this, um, what we're seeing a more litigious society where people are more willing to sue each other. Of course, um, yeah. And it's one of those things where it doesn't cost anything to name someone in a lawsuit. You know, right. if, if an incident happens at your home or even around your home, there's there's lawyers out there that will advise on legal advice to, you know, the more the merrier. So um, I always advise people, again, it comes to those layers of insurance. Like I'm sure the home inspector's company does carry some sort of liability coverage. You know, if they're only carrying one million liability and someone suffers or multiple people suffer injuries that are critical, that one million might not be sufficient to keep two people. I think nowadays most people are advising to double that up at least. Right? I, at least, at yeah. least. But again, not every, every company is doing that. I mean, um, looking at the the commercial market in Canada right now, the people I think people would be shocked to see what companies are actually carrying for insurance wise. It's not as yeah. everyone or how many people are coming into your house with zero insurance with, with zero insurance. And you know, there's, if you're hiring nannies, um, if you have some sort of house cleaners, health, house cleaners, if you're bringing a, a chef in to maybe cook meals a couple of days a week, that would be nice. My wife would be really <laughs> happy if I hired a chef. And, and you know, the more, basically the more extensive your lifestyle becomes, the more risk you're, taking onto your home insurance. Right. So again, as, as, um, as, and everyone has a different situation, but if you are finding yourself moving into maybe more of a, a high net worth situation where you are maybe having a tear caker come or you have a property manager at your home, um, I would definitely advise at that point to speak, seek specific insurance counsel. Yes. It's a good idea. Yeah. Now there were a few specific things you wanted to touch on. Um, I did. And, and one of them, which is a, a huge one and it, we'll, we'll kind of go, there's a couple of questions here, I think relating to the condo insurance. Um, the first one was regarding tenants insurance. A okay. uh, question we get all the time, and I think you hear it a lot, it, do I have to have my tenant require insurance, essentially? So yes. I brought here a copy of the new Ontario standard lease. I'm not sure if you can see that there. This is, you know, the standard lease that everyone's signing now in Ontario. Yes. Here in section 11, again, I'm just going to read it out. I don't know what we can see. There's two check marks to check. One is there are no tenant insurance requirements. The second one is the tenant must have liability insurance at all times. If the landlord asks for proof of coverage, the tenant must provide it. So if you are a landlord and you are checking that box off for your tenant, it is now the law that they have to at all times have tenant insurance. So it's, it's in, it's the, to the landlord's discretion. It is essentially this lease leaves it up to the landlord's discretion. Right. My advice, if I was the landlord's insurance broker, would be to always tick the second box requiring the tenant to carry their own insurance coverage. And that insurance coverage would be liability and And personal content. The important thing for the landlord is the liability section. Right. Because again, you're just layering that insurance, additional insurance. Because So uh, why would the, to help someone understand, why would the tenant need liability insurance? Why would 
how what sort of situation could they mm-hmm. run into where that would come in? So I'll give two quick scenarios here. One is focused on the liability. One will be focused on the contents. Uh, the contents is pretty plain and simple, right? Most yes. people, they don't understand that if there was a big fire loss and smoke billowed through the whole building, like you can't use your couch anymore. You're going to want to throw that out. It stinks. All your clothes stink. Right. Your computer doesn't work anymore. Your TV doesn't work anymore. Those nice blinds you bought, they're not smelling too I don't good think either. People understand, <laughs> but the extent of damage that smoke mm-hmm. will cause is mm-hmm. usually more than yeah. The fire. And you're not going to want to sleep in that mattress anymore. Right. Uh, all your pillows are going to need to be replaced. So when we start actually adding all those things up, you know, a lot of people that I see are carrying you know ten thousand dollars on their contents coverage because they wanted the best price. But if something happens like serious smoke damage, that ten thousand is gonna maybe get you a new bed and new sheets and a couple of things and new clothes. But you're yeah. you're gonna be starting low. So it's maybe for a student. Yeah, for a student. And, and you know, it's um, for a student, 10,000 is fine. And I always tell people, like, if you want to take lower coverage, that's okay. Just understand that's why the price is cheaper. It's because if something happens, you're not going to get as much on the other end. Yeah. Um, on a liability perspective, um, anytime you're bringing anyone inside your home as a tenant, you're also assuming the liability for that. Um, maybe an easy one for some of our students or younger people that are watching this to understand is if you have a party, for example, everything's going great. Someone over floods the toilet in your condo. Next thing you know, that water's leaking downstairs below into the unit below. They have nice custom flooring down there. They have those expensive blinds that you press a button and they go up. All that stuff gets fried. They don't want to pay that $20,000 downstairs. So they decide to serve you a lawsuit for the $20,000. Hey, you invited that person into your house. They caused a bunch of damage to my unit. Who else am I going to hold liable, right? Yeah. Um, in those situations, they'll most likely also name the landlord on that lawsuit, right. which is going to bring me kind of to that second a question we haven't touched on yet, but a question that you gave me, which was, why should a landlord carry insurance? Well, and this was a question that came from uh, a colleague, mm-hmm. um, and they were asking, <clears throat> why is first of all, is it necessary, and why is it necessary mm-hmm. for a landlord of a condo unit to have insurance when they have no personal contents, mm-hmm. which they sort of do because they have appliances, et cetera, window coverings. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he thought that perhaps the, the building insurance that they paid for in, within the condo fees would cover um, the condo itself. Mm-hmm. So the, the condominium corporation does have its own insurance policy. Um, that's going to be covering the building, of, of course, right? Um, that policy, it's not as extensive as a lot of people think. Um, there are situations where the deductible has to actually be paid by the, the residents living inside the condo. If there's you know a major loss, a lot of the condo corporations are carrying a $50,000 deductible. So they do a special assessment essentially and split it it's, up between... It's exactly what it is. Is a special yeah. assessment. Um, you know, you might end up with a bill for five hundred. You could end up with a bill for two thousand. Right. Whatever. How many people there are in the building? Um, so again, the the layer of the liability is is so. So you key. might want to know the demographic of the people in the building you're buying in. Of course, you want, you to, want competent yeah. owners and tenants. Of course, and it's it's um, you know anytime you're buying a place, my mom always says go go shopping at the local um, grocery store first. Yes, just to get a sense of all those people that you're going to be be living with because yeah. that's that's important. Um, the so sorry, kind of circling circling back. Um, the liability portion is is the important part because the condo corporation isn't carrying liability coverage for all the landlords. Right, they're carrying liability coverage for their condo corporation. Right. Um, they may have a separate insurance policy for the directors and officers of the condo corporation. So even the directors and officers of the condo board, they're not covered under the condo board's 
insurance, they have their own separate insurance just for their directors and officers coverage. So these layers of insurances, I always tell people, you can't uh, assume that someone else is layering your insurance for you. They're purchasing insurance to protect their interests. Um, Again, I'm just jumping back to that scenario. If we had a flood, it came down. A, a lawyer would most likely look at that situation and say, hey, we have a student living here. Sure, we, we could sue them for X amount. They might not even have that, right? We might get a judgment and get nothing. Let's name the landlord in there. He's clearly got some assets. Let, he's the guy we're going to go after. Right. So that's when the, the liability opens up. And there's, there's so many different claim scenarios I could go over and, and kind of thing. But just use your imagination to think of, you know, if you have people in your home, you do the best to, uh, you know, credit score them or figure out who exactly who they are. Once they're in there, it's their place. They can invite anyone else. They, well, and they the want. cost for that type of insurance is negligible. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Like if you, if you can't afford it, you probably shouldn't be the landlord. Yeah. Honestly, condo policy started around like $400 a year for some decent coverage. Yeah. So, so pretty reasonable. Monthly pretty reasonable. Expense, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Um, what else did you have on there? I saw uh, Kitech. We had a company in here, mm-hmm. uh, and we were chatting about Kitech, and it's becoming more and more common now as those yeah. houses are being sold. It and sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, how is it viewed from uh, an insurance perspective? Because it's is it still relatively new for insurance companies in terms like do you have any policies in place that? So any of the standard insurance markets are going to hit a straight decline on this. So that means if you're with the Intax, the Bel Airs, the Avivas, you know, the the, the companies that most people know about, yeah. they don't want this sort of thing. And, and the reason is because the risk is, is greater for a water loss. Right. Um, that being said, and the reason I wanted to bring this up is there are options out there. Um, so if you're in a situation where... I would always recommend take it out as soon as possible, of course. Like, let's just move on. <laughs> uh, if you have enough money to buy the house, it's going to need an upgrade. It's 15 years old. As, yes. and, and you mentioned that on the other podcast. But if you're stuck in a situation where you can't get it out, and I've heard people say, like, oh, I have to sell this place. It's Kitech Plumbing. I can't get insurance. And, you know, now I have to sell it. There are options out there. Um, take your home insurance quote and about double it. Wow. But, you know, if you're in that situation. But, there's until an, you get it removed. Yeah, you and and, and those policies we can set up on a monthly basis, yeah. um, similar to a, a renovation type policy where it renews every month. Yeah. So if you're in a situation where, hey, um, the house is for sale, it's vacant, and it has Kitech plumbing, and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to lose this deal. If it's really worth it to you, there are products out there on the marketplace that can, can respond to those needs. And what about... Um Probably similar, aluminum wiring. Similar, it is similar. Um, same thing. It's most of the standard markets aren't going to touch it. You you basically have to work with a broker in those situations to navigate that for you. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll say this. Um, the big difference between auto insurance and property insurance is auto insurance is very, very regulated. If you call me and you have three tickets, there's a list of two or three companies that I can put you with. And that's just the rules. With home insurance, they're less regulated by the government. So if you have a good broker who might be able to say, hey, you know, this guy's got three other properties that he'll bring over and, you know, we'll get his car insurance and bundle that up as well. They might be able to actually reach a solution there. So don't be scared to negotiate a little bit. Um, Again, that's where kind of a broker can help you out a little bit um, because there is leeway there. And it's, there's there's actually a shocking amount of leeway, I think, from people that would be surprised of what insurance companies have done to accommodate people to continue to earn their business. Interesting. Um, sewer backup you'd asked or you'd mentioned. Yeah. I saw that somewhere. Yeah. And that was something. So there's a lot of things that 
I think are available, but aren't always even discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. That's, but, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Like people don't know what their options are, so they wouldn't even know to ask for. It. And I mm-hmm. think that's a big one. Um, yeah, I mean, sewer backup has slowly become more standard within a lot of policies, yeah. thankfully, because it's the number one loss that we see is sewer backup. And it's probably the nastiest loss to deal with out there. And I've, I've posted some pictures before on my Instagram page and it's just like, I haven't seen those. I wouldn't mind seeing Yeah, them. it's to be honest, you don't want to be dealing with it. You want the professionals in there. So having that coverage is so important. Um, the big thing, I think, is to look at the limit, not just, oh, I have sewer backup coverage. Um, there's certain companies out there, not going to name them, but their limits of sewer backup start at 10,000. Which won't do much. I can't say. <laughs> oh, sorry. Did you say no? No, no, no. Yeah, no okay. I mean, I don't know, which, which wouldn't cover much. It wouldn't cover almost anything. Like yeah. $10,000 just to, you need to get a professional company in there to rip out the floors right away. Well, and there's companies that specialize in this stuff. Yeah. And I've like, I've seen the, the like if you were finished, finished basement and you have a sewer backup claim, you can expect the claim to start from 250 to 500,000. Really? Yeah. Wow. So it's like there's... Well, because you're tearing it apart. You're having to dry it all out. What is all this shit? shit yeah oh my gosh yeah that's gross yeah and this this <laughs> happened to a friend a friend of mine um who i had insured with sewer backup yeah uh, they were renting in a really nice nice modern home in mississauga 20 years old and what had actually happened was the pipe um going to the street was yes. blocked right so it had nothing to do with them at all yeah. all of a sudden the drain in their basement just started bubbling 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 oh. and it didn't stop for like seven hours oh my goodness so, so uh, there are some builders now and you can do it. You can retrofit it. You can get backup valves. Backup valves, backflow valves. There's, um, you know, having a um, battery backup sub pump is another huge thing you can do. Uh, and it all depends on- The problem on, with mine is my sub pumps at the other end of the mm, basement. And it all depends on, on where you are. You know, if you're in a high risk area, like pay attention to this stuff. If there's a creek in your backyard, like really, really pay attention to this stuff, yeah. you know? Um Everyone should have coverage. I'm not saying not, not to, but there's definitely high risk areas that people really, really. Um, another thing to look out for is a reverse sloping driveway. Right. So you don't see many of really never being built anymore. Like no, that. they're not being built. Um, and here in Milton, there's a lot. There's a mix of you know there brand are. new homes and yeah. older homes. So depending again, and I'm sure um, it's just another reason to, to call your call your insurance guy up front. Right. If you're saying, Hey, I'm looking at this property, I'm about to put an offer in. Can you just take a peek at, you know, if there's anything going on here? Yeah. You know, we have access to the, um, a lot of software that helps us appraise homes. Um, we have access to information from the tax corporation MPAC as well. That can give us a good sense of, uh, just a lot of different details. And we also have access to the habitational insurance tracking system, which if needed, we can pull a report to show if there's been any previous insurance claims on the home. Right. So none of this is free, you know, yes, but it's, course. it's, um, if you work with a good broker and, and you've given him some good business whole, he or she will, will do that for you. So as a realtor, one of the, um, like there's a, um, a system we go to where we can pull clauses and mm-hmm. drop them into our agreement. And one of the pre made clauses is for, um, an insurance to verify insurance coverage on a home that's older than 25 years. Mm-hmm. Um, what sort of things are you looking for? If somebody calls you up and says, hey, I've bought this house. It was built in the 80s. Um, 
you know, is there anything in particular that you would advise them to look for? Or are you sending somebody out to look at the house? It depends on the client. <laughs> um, you know, for a lot of my higher end clients, there is a full on home inspection that occurs from the insurance company side. Okay. Um, they're using heat detection tools, um, like they can shine a laser on the um, electrical system and see if there's any hot spots. Uh, they're using moisture detection tools. Um, Again, it's similar to a home inspection, but their focus is, is on specific. The, uh, specific to the insurance side. Yeah. Um, if someone, you know, is just sending me, hey, I'm just looking at this townhouse, you know, something simple, um, I'll just use those tools that I have available to me. I mean, Google Earth, amazing tool. You know, if you zoom in and you see, hey, it looks like there's a little creek back here. Yeah. You know, let's make sure we're giving you all the, not just sewer backup, but overland water coverage. You know, right. that with the rain we've been seeing these days, like the waters have actually been coming up and flooding into people's homes. It's not just from the pipes. Right. So, okay, let's make sure we have the overland water too. That That's really key. Um, again, what we, what we kind of discussed with, um, you know, have you had, have you had someone confirm there is no Kitech plumbing? Right. Have you had someone confirm the last time the roof was updated? Um, you know, if there's an older roof, the insurance company is going to want to get that replaced, that could just be another, you know, expense to add onto the list. And if you're a first time home buyer, it's like, you don't want that expense list to be too big. Yeah. Um, uh, the aluminum wiring we discussed, you know, copper wiring. Or knob and tube, which knob and tube is a lot of it, but a really big red flag. Of course. Yeah. 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 I mean, at that point you, you should be planning to of course. do the full reno. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other issues, and, and this is something thinking a little bit outside the box, um, but different areas have different postal code ratings for auto insurance as well. Yeah. Where you live can have a really big impact on your auto insurance rate. Um, so just, you know, I know there's so many other things to think about, but, um, and, and the reason I say this is I've seen people move from, you know, an area like Milton here to a more high risk area like North York or Brampton and seen an increase of like 2,500 to $3,000 yeah. based on their postal code. Well, I had a, <laughs> I had a friend that uh, was in Burlington and mm -hmm. they moved to city center square one and their rate went up 300 bucks monthly. Yeah. Yeah. And, so right there, that's about yeah. 3000 a year. Right. Yeah. So like, so that's a huge expense. So mm -hmm. a lot of people, and we kind of, Try to we always try to educate our clients that are moving uh, outside of where they live and mm -hmm. they're considering different areas. Like um, your cost of living isn't just what the purchase of the price purchase price of the mm -hmm. house is. It's your property taxes, your yeah. car insurance, and car insurance, especially if you're moving to or from Brampton, can change dramatically. Right. You get a lot of people moving here from Brampton. Mm -hmm. um, or contemplating both areas. Yeah, and that's one thing they don't even think about. Yeah, I mean it's. It's uh, one of those strange things because you a lot of people don't understand that hey if I move my in insurance rate's going to change so that's that's focused really on on the auto side um, yeah from the home side I think we really touched on a lot of the things that that are important just the I last think. thing I wanted to talk about with home is um, vacant properties okay so I don't know how consistent it, it is between insurance companies mm -hmm. but what do homeowners that have a vacant property need to be doing to maintain their insurance. So there's a couple different scenarios. And again, it does vary from insurance company to insurance company. If you dig through the policy wordings of your own policy, you'll you'll see a vacancy clause. Um, some have it at 60 days, some have it at 90 days, some have it at 30 days. So it kind of depends on how strict your insurance company is. Is that typically the sh shortest is 30? The, the shortest would be 30. Okay. Most are between 60 and 90 days. Okay. So... Um, so if you go away it's, on and vacation I know it's, it's, for a I week... Know if you're on vacation for a week, that's 
on everyone goes on vacation, well, right? Uh, right. <laughs> but can you get in trouble if something happens? No, okay. not in my not in my opinion, at least. Okay. Um, I know. usually shut the water off anyway. Yeah, and you know, if you're going away for a month, for sure have people come by and check the property. Like you yeah. know, you would want that anyways, just not even from an insurance standpoint. Um, I think the big thing is with, with the vacancy is one, when someone's selling a home, um, it's hard, obviously it's impossible to know. It's not just hard. It's impossible to know how long it's going to be on the market for, you know, if you're hitting the point where you're on the third month, you're no one's been living there the whole time that it's been for sale. It's looking like things are going to keep staying on the market or you might pull it off the market, but the home's going to stay vacant. A hundred percent set up a vacant home policy. Right. Um, again, it's not as much as people think. Um, I, it all depends on the rebuild value of the home, of course. Um, to give a general sense, for about three months, for a standard bungalow, 2,500 square foot bungalow, you're looking at about $1,000 for $2 million liability and, and for rebuilding costs of the for home. For the year. For, sorry, for that's three months. For three months. For three months is about $1,000 okay. for a vacant home. Okay. Um, the real risk there comes in um, you know, squatters, vandalism, that sort of thing. That's that's their primary concern with the vacant home. And that's where the liability portion is. They're not just concerned about rebuilding the home. Right. They're concerned about, you know, if something bad happens there, no one's there. Yeah. So, um, and again, if you're planning on doing a renovation of the home, again, there's the insurance product. We just added, you know, a renovation waiver. You're insured for having the contractors come in the home if something happens again too. So a right. little bit, a little bit of cost there, but it's not as much as I think people dream up in their heads. And, uh, I mean, to be honest, I've, I've had so many people, Oh, can we just not say anything? And they, they, the truth is, yeah, you cannot say anything until you need them. And, but if a claim arises, they're not going to pay out. Yeah. Of course. Right. So yeah. it's, it's a moral risk that you, that you're essentially taking. And, and, you know, I don't blame people. Everyone looks to the path of least resistance. And I even had my own sister say to me, can't we just yeah. say nothing? Yeah. But you know, any, any professional broker would of course, or any professional would tell you that we can't do that. And, and, you know, you want to protect yourself, right? If, if you're renovating a home, that's your money that's on the line. You're, you know, it's your mortgage. Of course, the mortgage clause is going to say that it needs to have the proper insurance coverage. So don't want to be doing any sort of b- bad activities with the bank either. So there's just, there's just so many reasons to take it seriously. Um, and, and, you know, I always tell people like, if, if your lawyer called you up, Hey, I need 20 minutes of your time. You're going to drive right to his office and right. sit down. If your accountant says, Hey, there's something happened. I need you to come in here yeah. and discuss this for 30 minutes. You're there. But people seem to think, Hey, I'm just going to set up this online policy, take five minutes and every, everything's going to be taken care of. But it's, you have to take it with the same level of seriousness as the other financial products or else you could, uh, you could get burned. Oh, for sure. So general rule of thumb is if anything's changing with your house, or with the living situation, or if you're a landlord or a tenant, get insurance, call mm. the insurance company and uh, inquire. Yeah, I always tell people get, uh, um, you know, get an insurance guy or girl. I always say get an insurance guy, but get an insurance guy or girl. It doesn't have to be me. Get someone who you trust, someone who's professional, who's transparent. Or non-gender specific. Non-gender specific. Get, get an insurance professional in your life. Yeah. You know, someone who you can trust, an advisor yeah. essentially, right? So it, it's um, because in, in the long run, they're going to help you. If it's someone you can just pick up the phone and just ask for some genuine advice, um, it makes it a lot easier. Because I know people hate calling their insurance company. They think, oh, they're going to record it. And if I tell them this, they're going to use it against me. Um, you know, as, as a broker, I look at myself as an advisor. So if you can find someone out there who is willing to advise you on things, it just puts you in a lot better position to uh, navigate the the crazy world, right? Because yeah. they can kind of simplify things, point you in the right direction and make sure that if something happens that 
your ass is covered <laughs> for cool. lack of a better word. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for coming on uh, again. I really appreciate it guys. I, uh, I hope I covered off on anything. If, uh, if anyone has any additional questions, um, I'm sure we can maybe throw in my, uh, contact information somewhere along here. Yeah. If somebody wants to hit you up, you're on, uh, I see you're pretty active on Instagram. Uh, doing my Rainer, best, man. Is it Rainer insurance. It is R A Y N E R underscore insurance on Instagram. Cool. Easiest way to reach me. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks Adrian. Yeah, pleasure. That was fun, man. Yeah, I'm glad you came. It was good.